0: solid enough to do that I lean hard on you Jesus I trust in you Lord Jesus I believe you're the only one who's able to rule me without ruining me you're the only one Jesus who you know what's best Lord. so I take my stand on you this morning Father I want to thank you for the good work that you did in the hearts of our men this weekend it was a good weekend Lord so grateful for the opportunity and the privilege to get away with the brothers and to spend time with you lord i know it's hard for us to even describe jesus the just the joy that we felt in your presence worshiping together jesus i thank you for meeting us there it was so good lord uh, we want to we want to Lord, I pray that, I, I pray, Lord, that decisions that were made, like like the one that Sean shared a moment ago, God, let those decisions, I pray, be rock solid. I pray, Lord, your divine protection around those decisions, that, Lord, that the enemy not come in and steal them away. But, Lord, that, that they would take root, grow, and that, Lord, the change really would be permanent. I know that's your heart. So, Lord, I pray your... Blessing your strength on these brothers and uh, the changes that they are making, the desire to water their own grass. And I thank you, Lord, for that great, vivid word picture, Lord. And I pray, yeah, strength to live out the decisions that have been made this weekend. Bless these men, I pray, and their homes. So, Lord, we want to ask now, too, that you would, um, Jesus, would you open up our eyes that we would see what we need to see here. I want to see you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand your word in a way, just in a fresh way. I pray, God, give us the strength to live it out. Lord, I pray that, uh, I just pray, God, that uh, any kind of religious thinking would be put to death today where we'd be able to come into um, just a, a right relationship with you, Jesus. So, Teach us from your word, I pray. And I pray, Lord, set us up even as we enter into communion later on. Just, God, that, man, it'd be sweet. We're here to meet with you, Jesus, and uh, eager to see what you have in store for us. Lord, I'm not going to define how I want you to work today. I just want you to work, and you're God. I'm not, so your will be done here as it is in heaven. And we pray that, in Jesus, in your holy name. Can be seated. I gotta tell you two things that I get out of the men's retreat. One is that our guys, man, every year the same thing happens at the men's retreat: is their, their worship is off the charts. And uh, and I, I look at our guys. I'm like, I don't know why. I'm like, guys, can you come back here and do that here, ladies? I'm serious. I wish we could get a video camera and you see these men worshiping. They go for it, they really do, they go for it in worship and uh, to me that's a blessing, and, and this year I think it was especially off the charts, like it was better than other years, the worship, but that's always, the worship for me is always the best part, but this year it was even better, if that can be possible. And then and then, Zenzo, our, our speaker, Zenzo Matoga, Zenzo's really, two of his big spiritual gifts, one is the gift of, worship I mean my goodness okay so he teaches and then he gets behind the keyboard and it's a whole different story and uh, really he really did lead us into the presence of the Lord and that was sweet but then his other gift is faith and I think you got a taste of that even in some of the stuff that was said here you just can't be around this guy and not say wow I think I need to believe God for bigger things I think I need a bigger God You know, I mean, this guy, this guy really is trusting God to fill Fenway Park with worshipers next year. I mean, he really is. And uh, you know, and you say, well the largest crowd that they've had so far is about 10,000 people. And I mean, that's a big deal. But Fenway seats 38 grand, 38,000, right? I mean, so anyway, I, I love it, I love it. And I'm convinced that God will fill Fenway Park with worshipers next year. It's gonna be awesome, and we as a church need to get a couple of buses and go and be a part of it. It's gonna be an awesome time, you don't wanna miss it. But uh, you just get around a guy like that, whew, man, it raises up your level of faith. You start believing God for bigger things. So uh, that's those are the two, my two takeaways. That and our guys are great. You need to know what, what a special, um, and I'm not just saying this because it's our church, but you need to know you know, what a what a special thing we have here. And uh, Zenzo noticed that as well, but not just Zen, every time we have, last year, Andre, every time we have a guest speaker, they come and they're like, you guys have something really special in your community, and uh, there's a genuineness there, there's a realness there, an authenticity, a genuine hunger for Jesus. And that's a good thing, so you guys are cool, I just gotta say that. So. Colossians chapter 2, we're gonna be Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, and um, I'll be there in a moment. You know, my wife, uh, her grandfather was a, he worked on the Pennsylvania Railroad his whole life. He was an engineer and a conductor going back and forth, east and west on the tracks his whole life. My grandfather had a lifetime passion for trains, so much so that he's the only person I've ever known that actually bought a house next to a train track so that he could be next to the train track. Like most people avoid train tracks, my grandfather went to the train track, and he was buddies with the conductors, and he'd stand out, he knew the schedule, he'd stop the trains, I mean, they they actually would bring my grandfather on and take him for a ride to the next town, and that kind of thing, and he loved trains. The cool thing about, trains is that once they're on the right track, the destination is almost as good as set, right? I mean, there might be a few things that could derail the train between here and its destination, but the idea is get on the right track, right destination. Wrong track, wrong destination. It's a great thing about trains. I'm here to tell you this morning that some of us need to change tracks, and you're gonna wanna change tracks when we finish with Colossians chapter two this morning, that today is the day to change tracks. You say, well, how do I know if I need to change a track? Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts and you tell me if this is you. You say, I really, I'm trying hard to get closer to God. I, I know I need to get closer to God. I know that, I know I really should read my Bible more than I do now. I really should pray more than I do now. I really should have more like time with prayer with my, my wife or my husband or my family or my, you know, I really should more. I should witness more. I know I should. I should be a bolder witness. I mean, I, I really mess up a lot on that. And I, I'm just trying. I'm trying really hard to get there. I know I gotta get there and I'm trying. I'm really working on it. If that's you, I'm telling you, you're on the wrong track, you need to switch tracks. And when we're done with Colossians chapter 2 this morning, you're going to go, oh, I see that now. I'd like to get on the right track. And here's the thing, I'm not saying that to put you down, not at all, because you have a great heart. Your desire to want to be closer to God, that's a good desire, it really is. So uh, please don't hear me as putting you down, I'm not at all. I applaud you for your hunger to draw closer to God and to be more like Jesus. I do, I applaud you for that. But if you wanna get there, Colossians chapter two says, here's the right track you gotta get on. Get off the current track, get on to the right track, and you'll get to the destination. Colossians chapter two, I'll read verses 16 to verse 23. Those of you that are guests with us today, we've been in the middle of this series called Christ Collision, out of the letter of Colossians, and there's actually a daily uh, devotional book that we wrote that goes along with this, and there are copies of it on the welcome table. Please take one, they're free. And I, I even have heard a few people ask, you've, I know uh, a few people have, you have given some to friends at work. That's great, that's fine, don't, that's, don't feel bad about that. Pass them out, Get, that's great. So please feel free, they're they're free, so the the more the merrier. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, he goes this, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, they have an appearance of wisdom, with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So let's start with verse 23, because verse 23 summarizes the whole passage. So you gotta start there and then we'll go back. Verse 23 goes, look, these things, these regulations, they they have the appearance of wisdom. In other words, they, they look like they work. They do, but he goes, they don't because ultimately they lack any ability to restrain self-indulgence. They they lack any ability to really bring a lasting change in your life. But they look like they work. And what are they? He goes, well look, these three things, they've got their self-imposed worship, there's their false humility, there is their, their harsh treatment of the body. Those three things, they represent the three errors that Paul talks about in these two paragraphs. So let's go back and look at verse 16 and we'll work our way back through, okay? The three errors are this. Let me lay them out. The three errors are the error of legalism, the error of spiritualism, and the error of asceticism. Whew, all the isms. So legalism, spiritualism, asceticism, are the three errors that he's addressing here. And if you're caught up in these, wrong track. Wrong track. They look like they'll get you to the right destination, but they will not get you to the right destination. Wrong track. Change tracks. So what are they? Let's talk about it. Verse 16. The first is the error of legalism. Look, therefore, don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink or by with regard to religious festivals, or the new moon celebration, or the Sabbath day. These are Jewish religious uh, festivals and activities. From their dietary restrictions, what they ate or drank, right? No pork, you know, I can't imagine. So I'm, I'm so sad for the Jews in the Old Testament. No bacon, really? Man, I feel so bad for them. No bacon, none, nothing fun, you know? And then not only that, you've got to do your new moon, you've got all your festivals, your religious, your regulations, even right down to the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, every week. Here's how you do it, and here's how you don't do it. You've got to follow all these rules. The error of legalism, legalism says this. If you follow these rules, then you'll be okay. Follow these rules, you'll be right. Follow these rules, and you'll be holy. The problem with legalism, is this there's always another rule. I can never do enough rules because there's always somebody that follows a bigger and a better rule than I do. If reading my Bible 20 minutes every day is the rule, I'm going to meet somebody who reads their Bible 25 minutes a day. Oh, okay, better up it 25 minutes, five more minutes. If, 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 Going to church every, you know, every single Sunday is the rule. Well, now I'm going to meet somebody who goes to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Okay, well, I guess that's what I've got to do. There's always another rule, and you're never quite there with the rules, just never. There's always another thing. So, what does legalism produce? <laughs> Tired. Just wears you right out. I've seen people, I've experienced people like this in church over the years. You start off and you want so much. I mean, your heart is in the right place. I'm i am not, you really do, you want to get closer to Jesus. It's just you keep going after all these rules and it wears you right down to a nub. And then burn out and then leave because it doesn't work because Jesus still feels far away. Legalism. Paul goes, these things, look at the verse, these things are a shadow. They're a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, he says, is Jesus. So a shadow, what's a shadow? It's just a dark spot on the wall. It's created by an object that blocks light and makes a dark spot on the wall. It's just a shadow. So communion, we celebrate that every month. This is a shadow. I love communion. I, I love to celebrate communion. I look forward to our time later on, right? Except, yeah, I know, me too. Except this. This has no power to change my life. That's the difference. This is just a shadow. The reality is Jesus. This represents something that's far greater. So don't go after this to change your life. That's the problem with legalism. Legalism says, go do these rules. This will change your life. But these things only represent, they're a shadow of the reality. you got to go to the reality to have the life changed. Follow that? So that's legalism. The second one is spiritualism. Look at verse, uh, verse 18. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they've seen, their visions. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. You can tell how Paul really feels about these people, right? He doesn't have much nice to say about them. The issue in the Colossian church was the worship of angels, literally. People were receiving these visions of angels, and rather than worship God, they were actually going after, they were pursuing these, you know, spiritual experiences, these these encounters with these angelic beings, and and as a result, you see, I, I'm much more spiritual than you are, because hey, I've talked to three angels this week, and how many How many of you talked? And I had five visions this last week. I mean, God woke me up at three a.m., and I've got great visions. Do you have any visions this week? And the the message of spiritualism is this: spiritualism says you have to have this encounter in order to be really close to Jesus. If you don't have this encounter, then you're not close to Jesus. So now we're gonna pursue this encounter. But aren't we supposed to pursue Jesus? Right? You see how that's kind of off track (laughs) a little? And then if I go after this encounter, what's to say that the encounter I have is right or wrong? Because, uh, you know, yes, all spiritual encounters are very real. Is it a false one or a true one? I mean, there's two teams here playing this game, right? So which team is that spiritual encounter coming from? How do I know if this encounter, this vision, this message I've heard is from God or if it's from hell? How do I know? Well, you know how you know? I stay in community with other believers. That's how I know. I go to my trusted brothers and sisters. I go, hey, I heard this. I think I experienced this. What do you think? Could this be God? And maybe they say, you know what, it's hogwash. Am I humble enough to say, oh, okay, yeah, it might be hogwash, to submit it and to let it go if it is? Or I know people, though, instead see the problem with spiritualism is it produces pride. So often the case is, I've heard from God. God told me. And now if you try to correct that, you're correcting God, see? You see the danger. Happens a lot. Spiritualism produces this sense of pride. I don't really, I'm an authority unto myself because I've had this spiritual experience. I've heard this voice, and now I can do this. And Paul goes, look, they are puffed up with idle notions with their unspiritual mind. You see the problem here, verse 19? They lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together grows as God causes it to grow. They separate themselves from the community, from the body. They separate themselves from the head. Now they're an authority unto themselves because I've had this spiritual experience. So spiritualism appears like it might really help to bring a change in your life, except the danger of it is it leads to pride. It separates you from Christ and from the body and not necessarily draws you close God. Now I go, am I saying that it's bad? Absolutely not, absolutely not. The whole point of Christ's Christ collision, my prayer is that you would have an encounter with the living Christ. So I'm all for having, I mean a spiritual encounter is an awesome thing to experience, but let's keep it in the context of community and relationship with Jesus. Let's not let the encounter be the thing we pursue more than Jesus. I'm going after Jesus, and the encounter will come. I hope you hear the difference. That's the second error, the error of spiritualism. The third error is the error of asceticism. Look at verse 8, look at verse 20. Since you die with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why do you still follow those rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, don't touch, don't, 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 don't. So let me explain asceticism. One of the big problems that the Colossian Christians were dealing with was a heresy that was called Gnosticism. We've talked about it a little bit before as we've been studying through this. The Gnostics, they they believed they were ascetics. And they, asceticism says this, sin resides in your flesh. See, your natural desire, see my stomach, my physical stomach desires food, and that leads to sin because I could become a glutton, right? My I I have my my reproductive organs, they have certain desires. It comes from the flesh. So you have to you have to beat down the flesh. My eyes, they see things that they like and so you know you've got to beat them under control. Ears hear things they like. You follow? So the ascetics go sin is located in the body. And then Gnostics Took that a step further to say, if sin is in the flesh, then God would never take on flesh because God wouldn't have sin. You see the rationale, see the logic. So Jesus, therefore, wasn't a real person. Jesus was just a hologram. That's what the Gnostics taught. They didn't use the word hologram, but he was like a hologram. He's kind of this quasi whose- spiritual type ghost thing, you know, that looked like God, but he didn't really have a body. And that's why Colossians is so, Paul's so big in Colossians. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus, the fullness of deity in what? Bodily form. God God became a man. He had flesh like you and I do. He lived this earth. He was tempted like you and I were tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got tired. Jesus lived it just like you and I do. Right? You get an amen on that one? That's... That's solid doctrine right there, you gotta get that. So ascetics go, because sin is located in the body, we have to deny the body. So don't taste, don't touch, don't drink, don't do that, <laughs> right? And the more you don't, then the better off you are. That's the, that's the reasoning. We have modern ascetics, some of you are ascetics. You say, really, I don't think so. Yeah. You're an ascetic if you believe that there that that there's this one thing you have to stop doing in order to be more like Jesus. There's this one I I could really be a good Christian if I would just stop smoking. That's not true. I, I could be more like Jesus if I would just, you know, stop this, stop that. Let me word it this way legalism says here's the things you have to do to get closer to jesus asceticism says here's the things you got to stop doing to get closer to jesus and the problem with asceticism is it makes you grumpy it really does that is no way to live life man really i got to stop eating ice cream to be a christian oh man i don't know right Here's the the thing that they fail to understand. God created you with the ability to enjoy many things. He gave you taste buds. You ever thought about that? God didn't have to create you with taste buds. He could have made you so that you just got to eat just to live, just get it in, get it over with, muscle it down, and go about life. But did God do that? He gave you the blessing of taste buds to be able to enjoy the full range of flavors and tastes that he's created this world with. God could have created you with eyes, you know, like a bat. You don't really see anything. You just sort of feel your way through life. But he didn't do that, did he? God gave you eyes that can enjoy the full hue of colors, all that he's made. You can see it all. God planted within you the ability to stand at the edge of the ocean and be in awe. Where'd that come from? God gave you that, he wired that into you. He gave you the ability to stand at the mountain and say, that is awesome, right? He gave you the ability to have your breath taken away at the sight of a newborn baby. He, he gave you the ability to enjoy music. Where does that, that come from, you know? He gave you ears that can hear the tunes and the harmonies and the rhythms and. He didn't have to make you like that. You think about it. What really eternal purpose does it have that I could enjoy country music? (laughs) There's no eternal purpose to that. God gave me the ability to enjoy that twang. I know you go, I don't think so. That's not from God. I don't think so. Yeah, it is. Those of us from West Virginia, that twang is beautiful. That is music. You hear it? God created you with the ability to enjoy this. Aestheticism says, oh, you can't enjoy any of that because that's taking you from Jesus. No. No. Follow? And Paul says these things, they have these regulations, they have the appearance of evil. I mean, the appearance, rather, of wisdom, I'm sorry. The appearance of evil. Yeesh. The appearance of wisdom. They look like they would work right but he goes they don't you think all they do is this legalism follow the rules you're exhausted at the end of the day spiritualism pursue this great spiritual encounter and all you do is get more prideful because now i have something that nobody else has asceticism i just get grumpy man because i'm not having any fun And yet, let's think about Jesus. The closer I get to Jesus, Jesus goes, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. The closer I draw to Jesus, the more restful I ought to become. Isn't that not true? Is is the sign of someone who's mature in Christ, somebody who's just exhausted all the time, I think, Spending time with Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, the closer I get to Jesus produces more rest in my life, not more anxiety and more fatigue and Jesus is Jesus is humble. Humble, is he not? The closer I get to Jesus, wouldn't that be marked by humility and not pride? Allah? You see why these tracks are the wrong track? They're not taking you closer to Jesus, they're taking you further away. How about asceticism? How about grumpiness? Because I'm denying all, I'm not having any fun in life. You kidding me? Jesus is the most joyful person ever to walk the face of this planet. You really think you could hang out with Jesus and not be joyful? Really? You really think hanging out with Jesus produces grumpiness? I, I think not he redefines fun he redefines joy he does does he not i mean come on i look at the followers of jesus christ in the book of acts these guys are having a time of their lives yeah they're getting beat up they're getting thrown in prison but look at look at are wrecking ships they're raising the dead they're healing the sick they're challenging the established they're starting riots that sounds like a lot of fun i mean man Jesus is the most joyful person that ever walked the face of the planet. So if I'm drawing any program that I have for becoming more holy that makes me more tired, more grumpy, more prov- more prideful, is a bad program and needs to stop. I need to change tracks. The only program, the way that you can measure your intimacy with Jesus is greater humility. Greater rest, greater joy. Hmm, I'm getting closer to my destination. I'm getting there. Paul goes. How do you solve this? How do we avoid these errors? Well, he mentions it. Look at verse 17. He goes. The reality is found in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Could you could you get to Jesus here? Verse 20. You died with Christ. You you died with Jesus. Like the the old you, man. That's that is over and now you live in Christ. I mean, it's about Jesus. The way that that I would describe it or summarize it would be this, to, to say we need to understand the difference between liberty and license and love and law. And the more that you grow closer to Christ, the more you mature in your relationship with Jesus, the better you're able to understand the distinction between liberty and license Love and law. By that I mean this. Liberty says this. If I uh woke up this morning and I didn't come to church, would I go to hell for that? No. Nah, I would. That's I have liberty. Right? License goes. You mean I don't have to go to church? <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm out of here. Never coming back again. I'm free. I'm in Jesus, man. I got you hear the difference? license Liberty says uh, if I have a if I have a you know if I have a beer am I going to burn in hell for a beer no. license goes I'm free man give me the case <laughs> you hear the difference very subtle difference in thinking and then love versus law you know I read my Bible every single day matter of fact I for the last 17 years, I've read my Bible through every year. It's just a part of my habit, part of my routine in my relationship with Jesus. Some would look at that and go, oh, that sounds really religious. I mean, you have to read three chapters a day, every day for the whole year in order to get to the Bible. I mean, that's kind of, nope. You know what? I love God's Word. Love it. To me, there is nothing better to start my day than 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, cup of coffee, the word, a notebook, I look, I mean, I wake up looking forward to it, I wake up literally thinking about it, wondering what Jesus has got for me today, I look forward to it, you hear that, it's not a law, it's love, I, I go to church, I mean, you can count on the number, count on one hand the numbers of times I've missed church in probably 20 years. Our family goes on vacation. We go to church. We look for a spot to go to church. You go, oh, you guys are, that's because you're religious. You're You're just, you feel like you got to go to church. Nope. You know what? I love the body of Christ. I love God's people. I love all of her stripes and all of her sizes and all of her shapes and all of her, I mean, I love it. I love the Pentecostal brothers that are sweating up a storm and jumping over pews, and, and I love my. I love my, you know, my, brothers on the other side that are stiff and cold and singing three hymns in a prayer and they don't want to move at all because, right? Love them all. And I love worshiping Jesus and I've worshipped him in mud huts, I've worshipped him in cathedrals, I've worshipped him in modern buildings, I've worshipped him in living rooms. It's beautiful. There's no law there. That's pure love. Love the people. You hear the difference? So these activities could be a law oh yeah they could be they could be very religious but the heart the heart really makes a huge difference so the more i mature in christ the more i'm able to know the difference between liberty i'm free you know i can i can mess up a day and i'm not going to go to hell for that i get that but i don't have license to just go bonkers and i i Love these things. I love worship. I love prayer. I love giving. I love the body. I love church. I love all of it. Love reading. I love it. Love it. But could it become a law? Yeah, it could become a a real law. Become a have to. But man, I get to. Love that. You hear the difference? So here's the deal, friends. See, here's what has to happen. Here's what's behind these three errors. What's behind these three errors? And now I'm going to close with this so we can go to communion, I promise. So, if we open up these doors for a reason, I'm sorry, I'm just wondering. Is, was it hot in here? Oh, okay. I guess I wasn't. That's unusual. Okay, well, great. I just keep seeing leaves blowing around. I'm wondering if they're going to blow in. I don't know. Well, oh, okay, great. Sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> Stay on track. <laughs> Squirrel! No, I'm sorry, I yeah. Here we go, stay, what you're doing. stay on track. Where was I going with that? Okay, yeah, here's the deal. Here's what's behind those three errors. Behind those three errors is a, is a false perception of Jesus. A lot of us perceive Jesus, frankly, as your old gym teacher. Your old gym teacher with the big clipboard and the whistle, and he's saying, okay, You know, you only did uh, two laps, you really need to do four if you want to get the medal. And you know how your old gym teacher only hung out with the jocks? Used to drive me nuts because I was never one of those. I was always the fat kid that didn't fit in with the jocks. And it was very clear, oh man, the gym teacher, all the cool jock kids, you know, the star basketball player, they all hang out with the gym teacher, and that's great. But there was a real clear message sent. The rest of us, you know, I struggled. I did, I did three push-ups, gym teacher. So, you know, can't do a pull-up, so, you, right? I'm never measuring up to the gym teacher's expectations. And a lot of people think of Jesus as like that gym teacher with his clipboard and his whistle. And he's got his little favorites. He's got his super spiritual favorites. Billy Graham, he's my guy. You know, Billy Graham hangs out in the gym teacher's office all the time. Mother Teresa hanging out with the gym teacher, right? We got all the gym teacher has his favorites. And the rest of us poor fat kids are left out in the dark, out in the cold. And, and we're trying our hardest. And I called Jesus? Jesus, I did five minutes today. Is that enough? Nope. Check. Okay, I'll do 10 minutes tomorrow, Lord. I'll, I promise. I'll do 10 minutes. Okay, but that's still not like Billy Graham over here. You follow? You see that? This perception of Jesus has you driving yourself sick, driving yourself into the grave, trying to please this, this Jesus gym teacher character with, an, with another chapter in the Bible, another hour of prayer, another donation, another this, another that. And at the end of the day, like I said, I don't mean it to be funny, but still, you're still the fat kid left out. What if we change our perception of Jesus? He's not the gym teacher with the clipboard, judging how many minutes a day you read your Bible, how many chapters you checked off this week, how much money you gave this week. What if he's not that? What if, what if Jesus is just your friend and he says, you know, I, I really want to hang out with you for a while. I just think you're the coolest thing ever, and I'm looking forward to my time with you. Changes the game, doesn't it? What if, what if Jesus actually likes you? We sing, Jesus loves me. It's, yeah, I know Jesus loves me. Jesus has to love me. He's God. It's like my mom saying she loves me. She has to love me, my mother. It's a whole different story when she says, I really like you, I think you're a lot of fun. I think you're pretty cool. I enjoy being with you. I enjoy hanging out with you. Whole different ball game, isn't it? See, when I see Jesus in that light as being gracious, really for who he is, now suddenly, These errors, they just, wow. I mean, so Jesus, there's no rules? Nope. So Jesus, it's not like I have to have some special experience? No. Jesus, you mean you you can love me even if I smoke? Yep. He does. You can love me even if I whatever? Yeah, he sure can. See, we have this idea, man, that we have to fix all this stuff before we come to him. And Jesus goes, just come to me, and we'll take care of all that stuff. But just come to me first. Some of you have been on the wrong track. Could you bow your head with me? Hmm. You've been on the wrong track. You've been, some of you, I talked to you this morning, and you're saying, that is me. I am so tired. I can't see straight. I feel this pressure in my heart like I've got to measure up and I'm never measuring up. Oh, Jesus, I'm so worn out. Would you just come to him this morning in prayer? Just tell him that. Jesus, I'm worn out. Huh. Jesus, I, some of you have been trying and trying and trying to be as close to Jesus as somebody else. Because you hear that they had this experience and you want that experience too. And so your success is defined on their experience. And you've been trying and trying and trying and it hasn't happened. And now you're beginning to think you're a loser. You're beginning to think Jesus really doesn't love you. Jesus really doesn't want to be close to you. Because you don't have the same experience that that person has this morning you've said wrong track I don't need to get off that track Jesus I'm not going after some experience I'm going after you and some of you man you've lost your joy because you've been so busy trying to cut stuff out of your life to make yourself holy that it's just robbed you of any joy in life that sour, you know, that prune Christian with the lips puckered all the time, the church lady. And you say, Jesus, okay. Thank you for taking me as I am. I come to you just as I am. And Lord, I'll let you work on stuff. We can work on it together, but Jesus, I'm coming to you just as I am. Feel the rest, do you sense the joy, do you sense the closeness of the Holy Spirit even as you take this position before him? Jesus is not your gym teacher with the clipboard, Jesus is your friend. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting us in this place. Lord, I pray that now as we go into communion, that again, it would be communion, not just a few crackers and juice, but communion, meeting with you in the quietness of this place, and we pray this in your name. Friend, you know we celebrate communion because uh, the truth is we get to have communion. Can you believe that?